Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This week on the Chicago Bears Review. After letting one slip through their fingers in Indy, our beloved return home to Soldier Field. Will they be facing another one-win team from the AFC South, this time in the form of Blake Bortles and the Jacksonville Jaguars? Can the Bears rebound from their tough loss, or will they continue to crumble? Colton Manziel from Big Cat Country joins us on the Week 6 preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review. You know, in times like these, it is important to have a sense of humor because we are Bear fans, after all. And uh, since 92, when Ditka left, not a lot to be happy about. What's going on, everybody? Larry D. back for the week number six preview episode of the Chicago Bears. Review and our guest Colton Manziel will be joining us shortly from Big Cat Country on SB Nation. I uh, had a great conversation with him last night. Uh, previewing this game between the Bears and the Jaguars. Talked a lot. You know, very similar teams that we have as far as these are teams that that, that had big off-seasons, um, that uh, were happy with their draft classes, and, you know, we're, we're looking to be able to, if not get to the playoffs, at least to make a serious move in that direction. I mean, obviously the Jaguars have been, you know, mired in mediocrity, uh, in, in, well, not even mediocrity, just terrible football for several, several years now. I think, um, you know, like they, they currently own the NFL record for most consecutive years drafting in the top five. So uh, this is a team that is used to getting those early draft picks, you know, having having their way with the the top talent at, with the, in the draft and not being able to do anything uh, about it. I mean, the the big difference here is that uh, Jacksonville is in year four of the Gus Bradley era, and uh, the Bears right now currently stuck in in year number two uh, with the John Fox Ryan Pace uh, era. So we talk a lot about that uh, with Colton, um, and uh, it was a good conversation. I enjoyed uh, enjoyed speaking with him. So. But, uh, you know, I was talking to my friend uh, Ryan Simmons. I don't know if you guys remember him being on the show. Um, it's been a while now. It's been years, I would say. But a good friend of mine, uh, he is my, uh, my buddy who's the season ticket holder for the, uh, for the Colts. He and I were talking the other day. Um, Ryan is from the Quad Cities where I currently live. I actually am from the north side of Chicago. And the two of us, uh, you know, being a Bears fan and a Colts fan, um, you know, with us being one and four, his team is two and three and, uh, um, you know, not playing well on top of it. So it's like a lucky two and three um, uh, on top of that and, you know, acknowledges that they probably should have lost on Sunday or that the Bears had every opportunity to win, so on and so forth. And the two of us are, were uh, in agreement over one thing. 
because we don't have our football teams in common, but we do have our baseball teams in common. And that one thing that we agreed upon was, um, yeah, if, if, if it weren't for the Cubs, I'd probably have to take up drinking this season just to get through it. You know, because this season has been such a bummer so far. We're only five games into it, but neither the Bears or the Colts and the team that we're playing this Sunday, the Jaguars, have lived up to even close to what uh, the expectations for the season were supposed to be. So, you know, not to get the, the whole thing started on a big downer, but that's those are just the facts, and I'm trying to, to lighten it up a little bit. And the fact that, uh, you know, I do have a welcome distraction, the fact that a uh, – 108 year curse might be coming to an end uh for a change and uh you know the nlcs starts on saturday the day before the bears and the jaguars take the field so i'm uh kind of looking forward to uh seeing that and um spoke with uh just to get a little show business out of the way spoke with uh evan western uh from acme packing company despite his allegiance he's a good friend of the show uh going to have him on monday because remember the Bears play Sunday night or Sunday afternoon against the Jaguars. We've got the quick turnaround because week seven is Color Rush Thursday for the Bears and the Packers. So a week from today, as a matter of fact, will be the Bears and the Packers on Thursday night football. So we're going to have him on. So the schedule is going to go like this. Sunday is basically going to be a knee-jerk reaction review episode. Just because of the quick week, I got to get it out there. So Sunday night... The week six review will be up, and then I'm talking to Evan on Monday night, so I might get it out Monday night. You know, definitely sometime early on Tuesday, I plan to get the the preview episode out, and then after the preview episode is out, you know, just like the Bears get ten days of a break, you know, from uh, from doing shows, so I will. As well, I'll be back the following Thursday to preview week eight between the Bears and the Vikings on Monday night football. So after the review or the preview episode for week seven on Tuesday, be a nice little uh, nice little break for me uh, from there until the preview episode for week eight for Bears Vikings. So just to give you a heads up on the um, on the goings on of the Chicago Bears review with uh, with the short week uh, coming up, just so you know when to look. Uh, for the shows so and then one other thing as you guys know i am on the football is america team the three of us have been doing the show together for uh over a year now that i've kind of been part of the team and be in in the beginning it was kind of like you know you know i am sometimes i'm here sometimes i'm not pretty much now i'm a you know a, a, i am a member of the team now i'm proud to say and um the guys have decided in their infinite wisdom that it's time for me to get an xbox one so that i can play online with them well unfortunately the company that i work for is downsizing and tomorrow friday the 14th is my last day at my job so obviously i don't have the money to buy myself uh, an xbox well ron and kyle have decided that the solution to this problem is not for them to pool their money and buy me one, but to see if you guys, as in your my listeners here with the Chicago Bears of you and Football as America, if you guys would be so kind as to throw some money into the collection pot to help me get a Xbox One so that I don't lose my mind while I'm back on the job search trail. 
uh, again. So if you want to help out with this, and believe me, if you don't want to, that's fine. Okay, this is just something that Ron and Kyle are doing. I have no idea if we'll achieve the goal. It would be great if we did. Actually, it would be beyond great. It would be so awesome <laughs> to know that you guys care enough to help me out with that, uh, just to get me something I actually don't really need, but, you know, just to help me maintain sanity. Um, it's uh, GoFundMe.com slash Larry's Xbox, L-A-R-R-Y-S. Xbox if you want to go ahead uh, and donate and I believe Ron's got something on the site if you donate so much you get this donate so much you get that and so on there are some things that are too good to keep a secret like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge or how it seems like you always get those hard to snag tables Ooh, yum! and how you get the most out of select can't miss events with access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Uh, and so he set the parameters for that, and I, I don't actually don't remember what he said that they were. So maybe they're on the site. Go ahead uh, and check that out. Donate if you want or don't. It's It makes no difference. Uh, to me, uh, to be honest with you, I don't expect to be able to get an Xbox out of this, but if I do, that'd be great. So I just thought I'd throw that out there because I'd like to get an Xbox, but I know I can't afford it now, especially with the way things are going down for me. So don't feel bad for me. It's not a pity thing. It's more like, uh, actually, maybe it is a pity thing. I don't know, but <laughs> it's just throwing that out there just to see what kind of, uh, what kind of turnout we can, uh, what we can, uh, drum up. So, uh, Anyway, if, if that happens and you're on Xbox and Xbox Live, you know, maybe one of the things will be if, you know, if you, if you donate a certain amount that, you know, I'll play Madden online with you or something, you know, we'll talk to Ron and uh, see. I mean, he listens to the show, so maybe he's hearing this now and he'll put that on the site. If you donate so much, then, you know, if I get the Xbox, then, you know, we'll set it up that I play a Madden, a game of Madden. I haven't played Madden in like six years, so I'm sure that whoever it is will dust me. But you know, I'll do it anyway, and we'll sit and talk trash, or you can talk trash to me, or whatever. And uh, you get to pick the team that I play with. You know, so maybe that'll be the fun part. You stick me with the the Buccaneers or the Browns or something like that, while you have the Patriots, and I get to watch you and Brady throw for 600 yards and 28 touchdowns on me or something like that. Anyway, let's go ahead. We actually have a show to do here, and we've wasted about 10 minutes of it so far talking about all this nonsense. But, um, you know, not a whole lot going on in the in the world of the Chicago Bears. It's just this one thing that isn't uh, quite going away, and it's the whole Brian Hoyer, um, Jay Cutler saga that is slowly but surely rearing its ugly head uh, in Chicago and uh, slowly becoming a, a national story. Um, with the whole thing now there's a there was an article released the last couple of days saying how Jay wouldn't mind he wants to stay in Chicago but wouldn't mind playing elsewhere it's like well duh if you're going to give him the choice to sit on the bench in Chicago or go somewhere else and play that's an easy choice to make you know 
Um, I read one article today about you know the rumors that one of the places he could land is in Miami, reunite with Adam Gase because Ryan Tannehill is having a very Jay Cutlerish or or same old Jay Cutlerish uh, type season down there. It's not working out, and we all saw how Jay played with Gase last year and how he's not thus far. So, you know, I'm still of the opinion that I think Jay at least deserves a shot um, to play when he's healthy again. Now, I I also could not argue with Brian Hoyer staying on the field. The production, you know, it's it's very hard to argue with. You know, he's thrown for 300 yards in all three games that he started. Uh, you know, we won one of those games. We should have won the last one. Uh, and losing those games wasn't his fault, or maybe it is, depending on who you want to talk to about that, about missing Alshon on the last play of the game there. But, um, you know, it, it's it's one of those things kind of taken on a life of its own because what, what originally kind of started out to be a statement, in my opinion, to the team that nobody's job is safe because even our $18 million man in Jake Cutler is in danger of being placed on the bench for a $2 million backup. So... If his job is in jeopardy, what do you think I would do to the rest of you? So that's that's what I thought the statement originally made. Now it just seems like it was a flat-out statement that, you know, Jay may not get his job back, and that's just all there is to it. So, um, you know, we'll see. And I, I think – I know life is not fair, but in all fairness, Jay deserves a chance to be able to play behind an offensive line that's got three more games together under its belt – has did not allow a sack at all last week against Indianapolis. Um, Brian Hoyer was only sacked once and was never really under pressure against Detroit. Uh, same thing with Dallas. You know, very little molestation going on there. So I, I think that that Jade deserves a shot to show what he can do behind an offensive line that's actually blocking for him. So I, I think he deserves a shot at that. Will he get it? Only time will tell. I mean, I know that everything's pointing towards Hoyer being the starter this weekend, so maybe it's on the – I mean, I actually wouldn't throw him out there against Green Bay. You know, give him the extra time to get ready for Minnesota. Maybe. I don't know. To see what he does before the bye, and then you've got two weeks to get everybody ready for Tennessee. Or, no matter what, Jay sits behind Ryan Hoyer, and then he has that extra time. He starts the game against Tennessee, and then we see what happens uh, from there so plenty of time between now and then and and when the decision actually has to be made but there's a lot of talk uh, about it and you know Jay being one of the more polarizing figures in the history of the franchise that um, you know there are people in support of Jay and definitely people in support of the fact that uh, if we never see Jay Cutler again it would be too soon so um you know, that's probably the most interesting thing that's happened uh, this week um, was just looking at the injury report. And I think the list of players not on the list is shorter. So, you know, as far as what the depth of those injuries are, um, I'm not really going to get into it because John Fox is uh, horribly cryptic when it comes to injuries. I don't know what what kind of advantage he thinks he's going to get from that. It's kind of annoying, actually, but. You know, he's 61, so he's stuck in his ways. What are you going to do? But, um, you know, so that was that's really like the big thing that's come out this week is that, um, you know, the whole Jay Cutler, Brian Hoyer thing, will they or won't they give Jay a shot when he's healthy and ready to come back? Or, you know, kind of like the whole discussion with Dak Prescott and, and Tony Romo, you know, 
Obviously, this is not our football team, so I don't think any Bear fan would argue with Dak Prescott should keep the job. They're playing just fine with him. You know, actually, they're playing better than they were with Romo. Why not? You know, leave him in there. Prescott and Elliott, boom, 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 boom. There you go. Well, we got the same thing here going in Chicago. We're just not winning right now. (laughs) We got Hoyer and we got uh, Jordan Howard kind of came into the lineup together uh, at the same time, and both of them are playing kind of lights out right now. So if Langford and Cutler are healthy, are you going to put them back in there because those were the starters and you're not supposed to lose your job to injury? Or do you keep going uh, with the guys that are getting it done for you? So it's an interesting discussion. Uh, if you guys want to go ahead and share your thoughts, find me on Twitter at Shy Bears Review, C-H-I uh, Bears Review, or hit me up on the uh, Facebook page. A lot of guys like to join in discussion there. Where do you guys stand on this? You know, is it should Jay get a chance? You know, I would, you know, I would say that he, he deserves a chance, but I also have him on a very short lease just because, you know, we don't want to waste Brian Hoyer if he's still playing well. So, you know, if Jay comes out and he's, uh, you know, horrible against the Titans, then you don't give him another shot against the Giants. You put Hoyer back in there and we just go from there and figure it out in the offseason kind of thing. So I think I honestly think that Jay is done after 2016, period, and he deserves a chance to see if he can finish out the year because the Bears are finally out from underneath that horrible contract that Emery signed him to where his guaranteed money was spread out over like five seasons and you know was guaranteed before the league year started and all that crap this is the last year that had that that guaranteed money you know on it or that would be dead cat money if the Bears cut him and all that kind of stuff the Bears can lose Jay after the season free and clear with no penalties and I think that that's probably going to happen so regardless of whether jay plays again this year uh or not so that's just my thought on it and i think the guy deserves a chance to to play behind this offensive line that's had three more games to gel and has played a lot better in those last three games with jordan howard who's running the football well because when jay was out there jeremy langford was who did not get off to a good start at the beginning of the season so give jay the shot and if he blows it, then he blows it. You put Hoyer back in there, and we don't miss a beat. Kind of like when in 2013, Jay got hurt. Should he come in, or should we leave Josh McCown, give Jay the job back? He comes back, doesn't do that well. The hell with it. Put McCown back in, and, and let's go from there. So anyway, that's going to do it for my little news and notes section, uh, if you will. And uh, just a quick reminder, yeah, football is America every Tuesday and Thursday. So I'm, I would say that the the – episodes come out wednesday and saturday uh if you will uh if you want to help out on the gofundme page great if you don't that's okay too it's gofundme.com slash larry's xbox no apostrophe l-a-r-r-y-s xbox and uh you know if you go ahead and donate and i'll talk to ron about uh adding that um you know if you donate a certain amount then we'll hook up online and we'll we'll play something you know, uh, they keep telling me I need to play Rocket League, so I have never heard of that game or I don't know what it is. So if you're a f- fan of Rocket League or if you want to play Madden or WWE 20, you know, 2K17 or whatever, we'll figure out something and uh, you can beat the unholy hell out of me or something like that. So anyway, that's going to do it for the news and notes section. What do you say we go ahead and bring in our guest, Colton Manziel from Big Cat Country, previewing the Bears and the Jags for week number six. <laughs>
And back on the show once again to help us preview the Week 6 matchup between our beloved Chicago Bears and the Jacksonville Jaguars, Colton Menzel from Big Cat Country on SB Nation. Colton, welcome back to the show, man. Larry, I appreciate you having me back on. It's a pleasure to be here. So um, you're in a similar situation than we are as uh, Bear fans. We've watched our team play several games up to this point, and the grand total of victories between the two of us still sits at two. Uh, we played five games. You've played four. We got one win on our side. You guys have one to show for it as well. But looking at um, the games, we'll just run through them real quick. Um, you know, the Jaguars have at least been more competitive in their contest than the Bears have uh, in theirs. You start week one, uh, you play Green Bay tough. It kind of comes down to the wire, but in the end, uh, Green Bay pulls it out. Late interception on, on Blake Bortles. Green Bay holds tough there. Week two, uh, it would appear that you guys never got off the bus in San Diego because it was 35 to nothing before you finally scored in the fourth quarter, so we'll just put that one aside. Uh, another tight loss week three against Baltimore. Last-minute field goal puts the, the Ravens over the top. And then finally, uh, last weekend in uh, in London, you got up big early on Indianapolis and kind of had to hang on at the end, but you finally got your first win to, to go into the bye at one and three. So my first question is, the Jaguars at one and three right now, but in your opinion, what should their record be? <laughs> well, you know, I could be a homer, but I'm not going to be. Uh, I'll be honest, our record is exactly what it should be. Um, the people, uh, people ask me a lot because, you know, there was a lot of hype before the season about the Jaguars. And uh, one of the more common questions I get, especially at this point in the season, is are the Jaguars really as bad as their one and three record? And my answer every time is yes, absolutely. This team looks – the offense has regressed. Uh, Blake Bortles does not look like the same player that he did last year. The defense is finally starting to come along a little bit. But, I mean, we're, saying, we're seeing the same thing in year four from Gus Bradley as we saw in week one. Um, and I point directly to the, to the Chargers game. Uh, you know, in, in Bradley's first season, Blake Bortles' first start, we went to San Diego. We got blown out. Here we are, you know, in, uh, in year four for Gus Bradley, and he gets blown out again. So, uh, I mean, it was, it was frustrating. You know, sure, the, the, the Packers game – was promising at first. It was a loss where we said, man, we were right there with one of the best teams in the league. You know, we were driving at the end of the game, bubble screen Hearns on fourth down, doesn't pick it up. We lose, but we lose, you know, with some respect and dignity. It was the San Diego game that really got people concerned. And then after the Baltimore loss, I think we all kind of expected it. It was like, this team never uh, puts the pedal down when they need to. They let Baltimore climbed back into the game, even though they tried to hand us the game um, for almost an entire quarter. And then, of course, in the end, ended up losing it. And I thought the same thing was going to happen in London. So that's a long-winded way of saying the Jaguars are exactly what they should be. Um, and we are right now, as of right now, we have not lived up to the hype and we're not a very good team. So... <laughs> So you, you talked about year four for Gus Bradley. There was a lot of talk before that game in London about Bradley being on the hot seat. If the Jaguars had come back from overseas at 0-4, going into the bye week, would you guys be breaking in a brand-new head coach coming into Chicago on Sunday? Well, I'll tell you this much. I would have 
fired him after the uh, the Ravens lost, to be honest. But that's just me. I think we've seen what Gus brings, and don't get me wrong, he's he's a great guy, um, you know, a high energy coach. But the guy just, ha- I mean, the the proof is in his winning statistics. I mean, the guy is the second worst head coach of all time. He has 13 wins over four seasons. I mean, at what point do you kind of look and say, what's changed? You know, we fired our offensive coordinator initially in Jed Fish. We fired our defensive coordinator in Bob Babich. You know, we've replaced all these pieces. And what's the one thing that's consistent, even as we've spent all this money in free agency and had the best draft in the NFL and all these different things, here we are at one and three again. And it's like, what's, what's the one thing that hasn't changed? And I look at Gus Bradley, and if this continues, somebody's head has to roll, and I think it needs to be his, unfortunately. So, I mean, do you think he'll survive the season if the the Jags keep on losing, or are you, do you think that that Con will at least wait until the end of the season before he finally cuts him loose? It seems like Shad wants to give Gus the season, but it depends, you know, on like you said, if we continue to lose, if the team continues to lose. And we're, you know, basically eliminated from playoff contention by midway through the season. I don't see what the point is in keeping him. Um, you know, you've got to make a change. And it could be even sooner than that if, you know, if, if they lose to Chicago this week and then um, continue to lose going forward. Now that the bye is over, I think this was kind of Gus's last breath in a way because he got a win. Now it's a bye week. So fans kind of are remembering the London win and we've had a week to not lose. So it's two weeks in a row without losing in Jacksonville, which is a rare thing, especially under Gus Bradley. So right now he's in a better place than he has been in the past. But if he continues to lose, absolutely. I think Shad should fire him. Will he, that remains to be seen. He may actually end up giving him the whole season, which would be a shame. So let's talk about that rookie class. You know, the many regarded as the best draft uh, in the league this year. You got um, Jalen Ramsey at, at number five in the first round, and then Miles Jack because of you know people being afraid to pull the trigger because of that knee problem that he has was still sitting there and in, in what like top four or five picks in the second round, right. and uh, and and so on and so forth. As you go through the draft, how have they been performing thus far? I'll be honest with you. I think this is one of our better draft classes in a long time. Jalen Ramsey has absolutely established himself as one of the great young players in the league. He's been basically shutting everyone down. We've put on, put him on. Um, Yannick Ngakwe, the third round pick out of uh, Maryland, has been our best pass rusher. Uh, he leads all rookies in sacks and forced fumbles. He's got three of them, and he had an interception against the Colts. Um, a couple weeks ago so he's been outstanding miles jack has been the big mystery i think in jacksonville because um the guy for whatever reason hasn't been on the field very much until finally in london they started him at the auto linebacker position which is basically a sam linebacker which initially he was kind of pegged as the new mike the middle guy but paul Puzlozny's according to the coaching staff and playing so well that he can't possibly get on the field, um, which to me is a, a little bit of a myth. I thought Paws played well against the Colts, but um, in coverage, especially in third down situations, there's really no reason he should be out there 
and it should be Miles Jack. As for the Will spot, you know, Telvin Smith's been playing outstanding. So uh, Jack hasn't really been able to get on the field until a couple weeks ago, and it looks like he's going to continue to start at that Sam linebacker spot. So hopefully, uh, you know, he continues to play well because he did play well against the Colts, and there's no reason a guy of his athletic ability shouldn't be out there, especially when the alternative is Dan Scuda, who has been terrible for all intents and purposes. And then uh, the fourth-round pick was uh, Sheldon Day, who really emerged last week again, or two weeks ago, against the Colts um, as a good interior rusher. So uh, the top four picks of this draft have already been pretty major contributors, and I think it's been an outstanding draft class, at least to this point, and I'm not sure what more you could ask, honestly. How about uh, Dante Fowler? I mean, the poor guy get hurt like a handful of plays into his first minicamp practice and uh, missed his rookie year, much like our Kevin White did uh, last year. But yeah. he's he's on the field and he's been playing for you guys. How's he been doing so far? Yeah, Fowler's been he's been pretty good. I think he's what you might expect from a rookie defensive end because, like you said, it's basically his rookie year. He has a couple sacks. Um, he's he's really good at that sort of a, um, an a gap bending around from the D end uh, position stunt. He he's pretty good at that. That seems to be uh, his specialty. But as far as winning one on one on the edge, he he hasn't proven to be able to do that consistently. He's decent against the run. Um, but and I think a lot of people were expecting to be leaning on him as the Leo weak side defensive end in our defense. But that job has really transferred, as I said, to Yannick Ngakwe, who's the, the rookie from Maryland, the third-round pick. He's been outstanding and really um, has a bright future. So Fowler is able to come along, I think, <clears throat> with less expectation now because of how well Ngakwe has played. And, you know, the Jaguars, I think, were only ahead of the, the Raiders and the Bears as far as cap space uh, is concerned. You got went out and got Malik Jackson, Tayshawn Gibson, um, Prince of Mukamura, and the list kind of goes on and on for you guys. How, how have the, the new additions been uh, contributing for you guys this year? And that's the thing, man, is a lot of people will look at our record and say, you know, wow, looks like those, those free agent picks haven't really paid off for you guys. But you know, I would disagree. Malik Jackson has been outstanding at the three technique spot for us. He's given us a presence there that, you know, we we were lacking with Cinderic Marks injuries um, the past few years. He's been really, really good. Uh, Tashawn Gibson has been okay. He's injured right now. I think he's actually the only guy on our injury report, and we'll see if he plays Sunday. But um, he had an interception a few weeks ago. So he's been all right. And then, like you said, Prince of Mukamara, who's also been injured, which is unfortunately kind of the story of his career, has really been one of our better corners when he's been on the field um, and, and played really well. He's healthy now, which will be huge, I think, against the Bears because, um, you know, say what you want about Brian Hoyer, but last last week, even though it was against the Colts, he was, he was really throwing the ball pretty well and the emergence of Cameron Meredith. And I'm a big Alshon Jeffrey guy as a South Carolina Gamecock, so – um, it'll be key to lock those guys up as best we can, and having Prince is going to be a big part of that. Then offensively, obviously, there was uh, Chris Ivory, who hasn't really been able to get going, um, and neither has the run game at all, which has been a huge issue for the offense. Uh, so he's been sort of a disappointment, I think. 
And then uh, there's Calvin Beecham from Pittsburgh, the left tackle, who's played well. Um, he had a pretty scary injury uh, against San Diego that he ended up recovering from playing against the Colts. So um, he's been good at the left tackle spot. So I'd say, you know, largely the draft class and the free agency class have done a good job. It's just everyone else that we were expecting to, to kind of step up that wasn't added this offseason is what's been the problem for the Jaguars. And is the GM situation, are, are Bradley and the GM tied together, or is this a guy that's going to be looking to bring in his own guy, or what's the situation with the GM? I, I'm, I don't remember. Yeah, that's a good question, actually, and I'll be interested to see how Shad handles that in the instance that Gus does get fired. I don't think that they're tied at the hip because I think Dave Caldwell, our GM, has actually done a pretty good job. He certainly made his mistakes. I think one of them, uh, we, we drafted a guy named Tyrone Holmes in the sixth round this year out of Montana. He's a defensive end. He lit up the preseason um, and was awesome. And then we tried to stash him on the practice squad for some reason. And he was immediately claimed by the Browns. And he's actually been producing as a sixth round rookie for Cleveland. Um, so, you know, there've been a few mistakes here and there from, from Caldwell, but I think, he's done his job and fielded a, a talented team. And so I would be surprised if he was fired, even if Gus is. Um, so I would, I, my answer to that would be probably not. I don't, I don't believe that they're tied at the hip. So, you know, you're, you're talking about the draft class, which has been a big hit up to this point. The free agent additions that you brought in this year have all been been doing their part. So I guess, you know, talking to you and listening to that, I guess it really does kind of come down to coaching uh, uh, in the end. Because if everybody seems to be doing uh, fairly well, but you only have one win uh, to show for it, uh, kind of like the Bears. Are really, I mean, you, I don't think you guys have had the same injury issues if Gibson's the only guy on your list then obviously exactly. you're not worried about injuries too much but uh it really does kind of come down to uh to coaching so yeah I mean I kind of wonder what the what uh what the Jags are waiting for as far as pulling the trigger on Bradley I, I would I would agree and I think a big part of it has also been you know like I said that the offense has regressed Blake Bortles does not look like the same player and that's been a huge backbreaker for this team um, you know, he played horrible against the Chargers. We fell down early and we never, you know, could get any momentum. And and the running game has been awful, which just compounds the issues for Bortles, even though I think even separate of not having a run game, Bortles has really taken a step back this year. His release seems to be elongated again like it was back at UCF. He spent a lot of time in the offseason two years ago working on that. And I think last year you saw vast improvement in his delivery this year it's gone back to more of his rookie year which is concerning um he's really not played very well and the team whether you know we can say all we want about how important it is to establish a run and I think there's something to be said about that but this team lives and dies on the arm of Blake Bortles and in the hands of Alan Hearns and Alan Robinson and Julius Thomas and uh, Marquise Lee and all the weapons that we have if he can't distribute the ball, which he hasn't been able to yet very well this year, we're not going to win very many games, no matter how many of the new additions perform well. 
You know, that was one thing I was really surprised at. I mean, I know statistics don't tell the whole story, but I look at, you know, week one against Green Bay, Bortles 320 and, you know, a couple of touchdowns. And then, you know, you didn't you kind of don't really pay much attention to his numbers against San Diego because the 300 plus yards he threw for there was mostly in garbage time because they're trying to catch up from a 35 point deficit. But, you know, week three against the Ravens last week against the the Colts, I mean, I think he threw for like 170 against the Ravens and then barely 200 yards last week against the Colts. And then on top of that, you're only averaging about 75 yards a game on the ground, uh, you know. And then I'm looking at Hurd and Robinson. They, they've only got about 200 yards apiece in receiving yards. I'm like, what? what is going on? I mean, these are the guys that were supposed to be like – you know, this is what was going to carry the team, and then the defense was going to catch up as we went along because of all the new additions, and it's, like, been the opposite for you guys. Exactly, and and I think it's been huge uh, football uh, early in the season it, because Bortles, Bortles is a certain type of quarterback. He's not a short-yarded, good ball place type guy like, uh, you know, an Alex Smith. Say what you want about Alex Smith down the field, but he does a really good job putting the ball on the money in short yardage throws. Bortles is not that guy. His ball placement's never been very good, never at UCF, never in the NFL, and it's never going to be very good. So in early, the early parts of the season, our offensive coordinator, Greg Olson, was running a lot of bubble screens, a lot of uh, you know short passes that, that just don't cater to his strengths and certainly don't cater to the strengths of our receivers. Allen Robinson's a jump ball guy. He should go down the field. Allen Hearns has always been a, an intermediate route guy. You know, and, and Julius Thomas has always been a guy to go up the seam. So our offense, it was like, for some reason, had changed and gotten cute. And it really suffer. And then, of course, on top of that, having Bortles regress and, and make the poor decisions we saw from his rookie year and, and the elongated throwing motion and all these different things, the the passing game that was so strong for us last year has just disappeared, and uh, until it comes back, it, serious problems in Jacksonville. Well, not to sound cynical or anything like that, but it's just been one of those things that I've noticed over the years is that whenever something has been ailing a particular football team, you play the Bears and they'll fix it for you so i would uh you know maybe be a bit on the optimistic side as far as bortles and Hurd and robinson being able to connect this weekend because the bears have a knack for that kind of thing so i mean ty uh, well, hilton is virtually all of the indianapolis colts have as far as any kind of deep threat and he tore the bears to pieces like they had no idea who ty hilton was i mean it absolutely drove me insane last week and and i know you guys have an old uh friend of ours uh Chris Przinsky back there in your secondary, don't you? Right. Yeah. Yeah. He's uh he's going back and forth with Harold Jones Corte, but he played the majority of the game against Indianapolis. Yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So I mean he hasn't actually hasn't been bad for us. So I mean it's uh it hasn't been too tragic, but uh you know, I, I guess that's uh kind of what uh what Tampa Bay like I know what they feel like having Chris Conti you know, we used to have yeah. that bum, and now he's playing for the Buccaneers, and he's terrible for them. It's like, eh, you should have listened to me when I told you not to go <laughs> near that guy. But anyway, so looking forward, you know, you have this schedule, and I was looking at you got like five of the next seven on the road, you yep. know, and it's it's not it's not the most daunting schedule, but it's not a cakewalk 
either. It's like after you come to Chicago, you're home for the Raiders, which is not going to be an easy game. You Then you got the AFC South game at Tennessee. You're at Kansas City, which no matter how good or bad the Chiefs are, is a tough place to win a football game. Yep. Home for the Texans and then on the road again two weeks in a row for the Lions and the Bills. So, again, not the most daunting schedule, but not exactly a cakewalk either because some of these teams are schizophrenic they're awesome one week and then they're awful the week after so I guess it's just going to be a matter of how the how the wind blows with some of these teams but what do you see as as the forecast I mean you you know do you think they'll be able to carry some momentum into this game after the bye or you know do you think that uh you know it's only going to go so far as Bradley can take you yeah that's uh, that's kind of unfortunately until I'm proven otherwise it's as far as Gus can take us because and we've seen what that is. You know, it, it's not very many wins. It's when you finally do get a win, some, you know, pick me up dance in the locker room afterwards, even though we're freaking two and eight. You know, I, we're all sick of it in Jacksonville. We want to win games. We've, we have a talented team. And, you know, we've heard the hype this offseason. So, so where, where are the wins? And, uh, you know, I think, I think the Bears are – are an interesting test because the bears are a team that's banged up. As you said, you know, they're, they're kind of in a rebuild sort of mode. And I think if you asked a lot of experts before the season, they would have probably said the Jaguars were further along in their rebuild than the bears were. Um, sure. So this is, this is a game that on paper, maybe the Jaguars should win. Of course, me saying that um, is totally crazy because, we are the Jacksonville Jaguars, and we never do what we're supposed to. So, the, it, for anyone who thinks this is gonna, this is oh yeah, you know, I, I've heard some of the local Jacksonville radio guys, Tony Vaselli, and and some of them saying, you know, this this is a game the Jaguars should win, and I think they're gonna come out and they're gonna smash the Bears. And and I say, how can you possibly say that? When was the last time we really came out and smashed a team that we were supposed to or not supposed to? The, the answer under Gus Bradley is never. And I don't see why this would be any different, especially on the road uh, in Soldier Field. I think this is going to be a very interesting and close game. And uh, it could very well kind of determine the course of the season for the Jaguars. If we lose another heartbreaker, I think it's going to take the wind out of our sails. Like you said, uh, Oakland at home, that's going to be a tough game. Uh, and then to go on the road two straight weeks after that, this season, even though, like you said, the next stretch is, isn't uh, super daunting, uh, you know, the Titans are a team we should beat. Um, the Texans don't look very good. The Lions are okay. The Bills are actually pretty hot right now, but um, are still the Bills. So you look at that schedule and you don't say, well, man, that's a, that's a lot of world beaters in the league because it's not. So if we don't really start to win – most of these games, um, the the calling for Gus Bradley's head is only going to continue, and Shad is going to have Shad Khan's going to have a huge problem on his hands with a very very impatient and fed up fan base, because the truth is Khan came out early earlier before the season and said it's reasonable to expect the playoffs, it's reasonable to expect nine wins at least. And we're not on pace for that, not even close. So uh, these next few games are really going to determine a lot of things. 
Yeah, when when I'm looking at your schedule and I look at your roster and I see the talent that you have, it's like if you guys can put it together, you know, I see a lot of 50-50 games on the schedule going forward. It's like they could win, they might lose, you know. It's like I could see it going either way in a lot of the games that you guys have uh, coming up, and including this this game on Sunday. You know, if Absolutely. you guys can figure it out, especially in the passing game, it's a game that I think you guys, uh, you know, can can easily win, especially if Hurd and Robinson get going. You know, because last week we couldn't stop one guy. I don't know how the hell we can figure out how to stop two. So, um, <laughs> you know, I would I would say, you know, and even before the season started, this was definitely one that I had circled on the calendar as being like, I am really interested in seeing how this game is going to shake out. So, I mean, because I actually thought it was going to be more of like a, a two and two versus three and two kind of game as opposed to one and three versus one and four i didn't see that coming at all to be honest with you but um you know we'll we'll, we'll shake it out on on sunday and see how everything uh how everything goes down and uh you know good luck the rest of the way but i hope you guys die like dogs on sunday man <laughs> right back at you man i i couldn't agree more i think it'll be it will be an interesting game and uh you know i, I haven't watched a ton of bears football i did i did watch uh the game last week when we had the buy, I was really hoping you guys would pull that one out um, against the Colts. Yeah, man. But, you know, it, it looks like at least one bright spot, which is a guy we tried to bring in in free agency a few years ago. It didn't work out contract-wise, was, was Will Young. I think, you know, he's been, he's been a real uh, nice pickup for you guys. Um, yeah. And it'll be interesting to see if we can block him because um, – I don't know. I think I think Beecham's been pretty good, and Parnell's pretty good too. But seems like uh, seems like he's red hot right now. So that'll be an interesting matchup. All right. Well, thanks so much uh, for coming back on the show, Cole. And we look forward to having you back on sometime uh, uh, in the future, man. Yeah, maybe uh, Super Bowl Sunday, right? Yeah, why the hell not? You know, I mean, because it could happen. You know, hey, the Chiefs rattled off eleven in a row last year, made it to the playoffs, so it's possible, right? Exactly. So. It's only uh, week four, right? Or I guess it's week five Absolutely. now. Absolutely, week six. Yeah, so fifth, fifth game for you guys. But, um, you know, it's possible. Anything can happen. It's the NFL, right? Exactly. So. We'll see you in February. <laughs> Cole Manziel from Big Cat Country on SB Nation helping us preview Bears and the Jags for week number six. Thanks, Larry. Once again, I want to thank Colton Manziel for coming on to the show. We had a great time talking to him about the Jaguars. And, uh, you know, it's always nice to have a healthy sense of humor when it comes to your team and when you have no illusions about who your team is. So it's always nice to talk to someone like that, someone who isn't a, you know, complete and total homer of a fan that, uh, you know, only sees the positive in things. Those people, honestly, are frustrating as hell to talk to you know it's great that you're optimistic but you got to be real about what your team is actually putting on the field and as optimistic as i'm am each week going in on sunday you know optimistic that like you know like i said there towards the end when we're joking about the super bowl anything is possible this is the nfl and i have seen you know the first thing that comes to mind you know especially with this monday night game with the vikings looming is think back to 2009 when the Bears were without Erlacher because he missed the whole season because of that broken wrist. Um, 
it's like week 14, week 15. It's Monday Night Football. Um, we're playing the Vikings with Brett Favre on that, that magical season they had in 2009 where they went to the NFC Championship game and lost to the Saints. Uh, the Bears are playing god-awful football, and there was no chance in hell that they were going to win this game. And then uh, we go in there, and it's Jay Cutler and Devin Aromashadu. You remember that guy? Devin Aromashadu goes nuts that one night, scores the winning touchdown in overtime over the – I mean, that's the kind of thing, you know, that's the, the, the kind of optimism I have that, that those kinds of games are possible no matter who we're playing. You know, and um, this Sunday against the Jaguars, I think the Bears are favored, maybe by a field goal, but, uh, you know, which is basically the same as saying the Bears are favored by zero because I think you get three points just for being the home team. But, um, you know, it's pretty much like saying the game is a push. So, like, even Vegas doesn't know who's going to win this damn thing. But, um, you know, that's the kind of optimism I have. I'm not going in there and be like, oh, yeah, Bears and Seahawks. Bears got that all day. No. I'm not the kind of person that's going to rationalize my way as to what the you know why the Bears are going to win. It's like I'm, I'll be here and I'll tell you what I think they need to do in order to have a chance at winning. And right now, what's been frustrating about this team, especially, and you heard me say it when I was talking to Colton, which was you know whatever's been hindering your team, whatever you had a problem with coming into it always seems to be solved at least for that one game that you're playing the bears remember how the 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 colts couldn't block anybody and that uh, you know they needed to protect andrew luck now regardless of the fact that we did actually sack luck five times it wasn't like we sacked him five times and he was under fire and getting beaten to death all of the other plays that we didn't sack him. This very much reminded me of those games that I talked about many times on the show about when we played the Packers. Like, yeah, we had that game where we sacked Rodgers four times, five times. That was the only time we touched the guy was when we actually got there to close the deal and sack him. You know, that's what it was like on, on Sunday against the Colts. Yeah, Willie Young had three sacks, and we got two others. We sacked the guy five times, but that was the only time we got close to him uh, for the majority of the football game. We started off hot, then he figured us out, and if we weren't sacking the guy, we weren't putting any pressure on him. He had all day to throw the T.Y. Hilton, who was the only receiver worth throwing the football to uh, in that game, and he torched us for like a buck seventy anyway. So you heard me talk about it when, when I mentioned the, to Colton, you know, we had trouble stopping one guy. I'm really worried about what we're going to do when we have to stop two with Hearns and uh, Robinson, uh, the Allen brothers for the uh, for the Jaguars. You also heard me mention that the Jaguars have the 30th ranked rushing attack, averaging about 75 yards a game. OK, the pessimist in me says, watch the Colts, the Colts, the Jaguars are going to come out and run for a buck 50 on the Bears on Sunday. This team that was supposed to have one of the league's worst rushing attacks is going to come in and kill us because maybe the Bears are going to be ramping up a bit too much for Robinson and Hearns, and they're going to have, you know, they're not going to load up the box because we don't have anything to worry about in the running game, and that's where the Jags are going to hurt us early. Then they'll hurt us later on when we when we start to load up the box a little bit and they got the one-on-one for Hearns and Robinson and play action and, you know, yeah, um, that's how frightening this game could end up being because of the talent that Jacksonville does have on the offensive side of the ball. You heard him talk about Bortles not being the most accurate, you know, pinpoint uh, kind of guy, but 
he did throw for like 4,500 yards and 35 touchdowns last year. The guy know how, he knows how to get the ball there. It may not be pretty, and it may not be where you want it, but he can get it there. So, um, you know, this could be one of those games. Now, it actually could also be the same thing for the Bears. Hoyer and Jeffrey and uh, Cameron Meredith. And, uh, you know, with the way Jordan Howard's been running the football, there's not a lot the Bears can't do on the offensive side besides be consistent. That is the main thing we need for the Bears is to be consistent. So, um, you know, we have to be able to figure out a way to neutralize the Allen brothers and not let them kill us. So, I mean, that's that's going to be number one, you know, because those those are their two biggest weapons, those guys. Both of them had over 1,000 yards receiving last year, and I think it's Robinson – uh, I just read a. It was on the actual on the Bears website. You know this game by the numbers. Uh, I think it was Robinson that they said uh, since the beginning of last season has 17 touchdowns, most in the NFL in that time period. So this is a guy that knows how to find his way into the end zone. And uh, you know, with the Bears uh, having trouble finishing drives or you know keeping drives consistent you know being able to put the enough points on the board the Jags come out and score 14 points early we might have trouble catching up so you know for me on the offensive side it's Jordan Howard Jordan Howard Jordan Howard all day because we want to keep the ball out of Jacksonville's hands we want to grind down that defense and then use the play action to set up the big plays downfield and for the love of God find Alshon Jeffrey Okay, find him. He was open in that game against the Colts at the end. I'm sure that Hoyer has seen that in film 5,000 times uh, since Sunday afternoon. You got to do a better job of finding Alshon Jeffrey. You know, even when he's not open, he's open. That's why we love him. So throw him the damn ball from time to time. Even if it's a 50-50 jump ball, Alshon almost always wins those jump balls. And if he doesn't, then nobody wins. So the ball will hit the ground. It's an incomplete pass. Live to fight another day. Or it's awesome, and we just gained 47 yards. So let's find Alshon and get him into the mix. Obviously, hopefully Cameron Meredith can back up that game he had against Indianapolis and we keep the ball rolling with Jordan Howard and we sprinkle in a little bit of Eddie Royal and Zach Miller coming across the middle. Sounds like a recipe for a decent afternoon on the offensive side. And then on defense, the the main thing that I have for the defense is turnovers. we got to create some turnovers, get the ball back in our offense's hands. Not one turnover uh, against Indianapolis. You know, and that two turnovers we had against Detroit that ended up being the difference in the ball game. You know, those two picks that that Stafford threw killed promising drives for them that put the momentum back in the Bears' hands. So, you know, we didn't get one turnover last week against Indy. If we could get one or two against the Jaguars, I guarantee, I guarantee the Bears will win if we can get a couple of turnovers out of Bortles uh, and company on Sunday. So I do love the Bears' chances to win uh, this football game. I've been picking them uh, all the way, the Jaguars' have played one road game so far this year uh, and they were down 35 to nothing before they got their first points on the board now this wasn't as far a trip for them as it was to go from Jacksonville Florida all the way to San Diego California but it is getting chilly out there 
and uh, sometimes the cold weather can mess with those Florida boys. So we'll see uh, just how chilly Mother Nature can make it for them uh, on Sunday. But hopefully we Bear fans keep it chilly on the scoreboard for them and uh, the Bears come out ahead. And in our short week on my Sunday night review episode, we'll be talking about a victory as we go forward into this game with the Packers on Thursday Night Football next week. So we will have uh, Evan Western back on. I have Monday night, get the show out on Tuesday, and we'll go on uh, from there. So I think that will do it um, <laughs> one last time. Uh, just I just can't believe the guys are doing this for me. That's why I'm kind of having fun with it. Uh, the GoFundMe thing, if you guys want to donate, great. If you don't, that's okay, too. I don't really have any expectations for this thing. I'm just kind of seeing what kind of life it's uh, – you know what kind of life this thing could breathe into itself uh it's gofundme.com slash larry's xbox l-a-r-r-y-s xbox and um like i said i'm trying to go back and forth with ron he's not answering his text messages right now but uh to see you know maybe we'll put that as one of the stipulations if you donate a certain amount that uh you know We'll carve out some time and we'll play a game of Madden on Xbox Live or something like that or Rocket League or whatever your game is. And uh, we'll uh, we'll go forward uh, from there. So uh, come back on uh, Sunday night, probably Monday morning for a lot of you, uh, you know, especially my overseas people. You know, don't stay up all night waiting for me to post the show. Just go to sleep and it'll be there for you in the morning, I promise. So uh, come back on Monday for the review episode and then right back on Tuesday for the preview of the Bears and the Packers. So until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Chicago Bears Review.